Hey everybody, welcome back to Off the Beaten Cleft. This is episode who knows, who gives a fuck. Number nine! No, oh, hey, you up. looked it up. All right, <laughs> number nine. And so this week we're doing Miley Cyrus, Plastic Hearts from 2020. So let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. You, like a neon light, shining through a door that I can't keep loose. And you. Yeah, hey guys, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, I am excited to talk about this album. I've been, we talked about it a little bit last week. I'm, I've been waiting for this album to drop. Once uh, Midnight Sky came out, she dropped that, she teased the album, and then she also teased with um, Prisoner, with Dua Lipa. She's, she like pranked a couple of like music influencers around Instagram with like a fake video of it. Um, I've been super excited to talk about this and I'm excited to get your thoughts on it. I'm excited for us to do an album that neither of us have heard before this podcast. Listen as well. I think that's kind of, it's going to be new for us. So we both have kind of unfiltered opinions about the album coming into it. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's cool that like, it's not something both of us covet or one of us covets <laughs> yeah, and the other one's right. like trying to sell the other on it. It's, it's, it's a true review. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, it's not nostalgia versus first time. It's a true first time review of an album. So I think that's cool from both of our standpoints. Definitely. Um, but yeah, um, like I said, I, last week I've been paying attention to Miley for a while because I've always felt like she had the potential to be what this album is. Spoiler alert, I love this album. Almost top to bottom. But I've always seen glimpses of this, and I think she just needed time to figure herself out a little bit more. Like she, you could see, like she kind of had her lash out phase, and that was cool because she was breaking away from the Hannah Montana stuff. But I think she went too far, and it was almost like an immature response to that, both musically and personally. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, it's her. It was her way of dealing with it. She was still in her like early twenties, whatever, and you know, she kind of did what she wanted. I respect that. But it wasn't something that I was necessarily going to buy into personally. And so to see her come around, like I think it started with the backyard sessions that she did like what last year or something Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is dope as fuck. And then she started doing some more like country stuff and some more like acoustic stuff. I was like, okay, cool. She's finally growing into the pure artist and she's not just a pop star. She's not just lash out early 20s girl. She's like finally honing her craft and i think this is the culmination of that for like the last 10 years that she's been doing so yeah and i i think um there's a lot of maturity here that i wasn't really expecting yeah because you know kind of judging a book by its cover i was just kind of basing what i knew about miley and like the bangers era and all Mm -hmm. that stuff like after that i was just kind of i closed the book yep that's enough on miley yep don't need to know anymore and so if you wouldn't have shown this to me i'd Definitely wouldn't have cared. And yeah, especially sure, sure. like hearing songs like Prisoner on the radio, I definitely wouldn't have been like, I really need to hear this album front to back. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I really like 
I really like it too. There's there's spots that are eh to me. Yeah, sure. But I really like the experimental and there's not two songs that sound the same. That's absolutely album. true. She she it's a wild ride through the eighties and it's like she does different shit from different eras and even goes into a little bit of kind of disco y, like early eighties, late seventies. Um, does some like contemporary like pop country almost on one of them I think what I think is my favorite song on the album um, yeah it's just like I wrote it's just a really good pop rock album no stipulations like Miley killed this album mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and like I said this is this kind of sets up where I think she's going to go for the rest of her career she's going to be this kind of mature almost like a Lady Gaga like type where she Milady Gaga was more mature when she first like got exploded. And so she was able to kind of explore in a more mature way earlier in her career. Yeah. Whereas Miley's been in the music industry since she was like, what, 12, 13 years old. Like it's nuts how long she's been doing this. And she's not, I don't think, I don't know if she's 30 yet. She might just be, I think she's my age. She's 28. Yeah. Which is nuts, man. It feels like she's been in music forever, but because she has and, and you know, to find, to finally see her find her like true, like adult, mature musical voice is cool and i can't wait to see what she does with pop because we need like somebody to really control pop we haven't really had it since like justin timberlake maybe yeah and not the like same way taylor swift told Uh, no taylor taylor swift is a is a pretender i fucking hate taylor swift yeah and i feel like this is what i would want from a taylor swift album like sure experimenting and like being open and brave without being corny but she, uh, to me, it, it, it's the same way I feel. I feel the same way about Taylor Swift as I do about Michael Bublé, where she feels like she would force sincerity, where I know Miley's gone through some rough shit. Like, she's had, I mean, she's lived a charmed life. Her father was famous. And, you know, she's had a lot of opportunities because of that that maybe other people wouldn't. But she's also, like, legitimately talented and went through a really rough public breakup, went through, like, the early child. Like, she's been a child star, so she's had a rough upbringing. Not breaking at a Disney is not easy for any. Yeah, not a rough upbringing, but she's had to go through some shit that like most other people don't have to deal with. Some she had to grow up super fast, you know, and and so she's actually been through some like trying mental times. Whereas Taylor Swift just is a terrible girlfriend. <laughs> you know what I mean? She just sucks. Yeah. As, she just sucks in relationships, and oh boohoo! So does everybody else. I I hate Taylor Swift. Um, but anyway, let's get into the album. Um, do you want to start with what the fuck do I know? I think I should just because I'm the honorary uh, pop punk enthusiast. Yeah, yeah. Um, this I, first thing I wrote: "Fuck you, Kevin." You knew I was gonna. <laughs> you knew I was gonna love this song. Yeah. You knew I was gonna be sold from the album opener. The thing is, um, I didn't. I didn't. I hadn't listened to it until I was driving over here last week, and I was like. This album's gonna rock. I just had I had a feeling you were gonna like it though. The the bass that opens, I was like I was driving home from work. I had like a crappy night, and the when that bass <laughs> opens, yeah. I was like, oh shit, yeah, like, it's dude. on, dude. Yeah, um, the she has so much attitude in her vocals in this song, and I think it really plays into the the, the pop punk sound that she's going for in this song. Mm-hmm. The drums kick ass, um, and just fuck yeah, this is the. The the polished version of pop punk that I love because a lot of times you kind of say the same thing with metal. People like pop punk when it sounds like shit. When it's not, yeah, it makes and, no fucking sense. But when it sounds good, it sounds really good. And uh, she is a good example. And uh, Machine Gun Kelly's album this year was a really good example mm-hmm. of if you make it sound good, 
people are going to like it no matter what. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with accessibility. Like I I get it. I I get you want shit to sound raw because it's more authentic or whatever, but fuck that. Give me high fidelity. Give me great production value from top to bottom on this album. Just fucking sounds so good. It sounds so good. There's a lot of nuances and I really like the tambourine. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Just like a weird uh, placement inside of a pop punk song. But she also adds like, pauses in her in her vocal performance mm-hmm. that I think adds a lot of suspense and just you know this is a song that I was like damn Damn, I, I, this is not what I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I like that you like this album out of spite. I think it's. <laughs> I think that's a that's a really cool place to be. Yeah, because I, I know I, there's a part of me that thinks you didn't want to like this album, but you you're forced to like it because yeah. it's, it's it's undeniably at least mature and has a sense of direction to it. Mm. And it's cohesive. Yeah. At its basis level, that's that. Those are three things that you can't deny. And then on top of that, it's just great music. Yeah. Uh, my favorite song on the album. Shouldn't really? Be, yeah. Shouldn't be a surprise. Wow. But, um, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, something that's interesting that I, when I was looking up lyrics and stuff, um, she has some songwriting credits for other people. And the lead singer of One Republic, Ryan Tedder was one of the songwriters on the song with her. Interesting. Because this feels very much directed to Liam Hensworth. Yeah. After their long, that's the breakup I was talking, very public breakup where, you know, people blamed her because she's quote unquote promiscuous, but she was never, she, her and Liam were together for like a fucking long time. Yeah. And, um, so she got like a really bad rap for that. Undeservedly. So, um, and this feels like she wrote this the second they broke up. It's like, you know, what the fuck do I know? You know, like, you know, fuck you. I don't need you. I don't miss you. Um, and she wants the world to know that she doesn't miss this dude. And she's glad that they broke up. I don't think they're like on bad terms necessarily, but I think what she went through in the media after the breakup really kind of lent to some of the anger in this song. It's not necessarily even anger. It's just kind of, it's more angst, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah. It's just a really good like album opener too. It just kind of punches you right in the face. Yeah. And it kind of, it's kind of sets up because this album it's, you're going to be out of breath by the end of it. And it's good that it slows down towards the end because you need it. And yeah, because the middle of this album just fucking just, never stops i love it but yeah it's a wild ride so um do you have anything else about what the fuck do i know no i love i love that chorus what the fuck do i know it's it's uh, so good she fucking slays dude it's so weird for me to say that as a straight white 34 year old male that i love a miley cyrus album but fuck it man i do i love it um so let's get into plastic hearts which i I mentioned earlier was i think the first single i don't know how singles work anymore because i don't listen to the radio yeah but I know I heard this song a while ago, or at least I heard this incredible hook in this song. So, so catchy that this whole album is catchy. Um, I wrote, I could talk about lyrical content, but I'm not going to, because this is a damn near perfect pop song. It's got really good, really good instrumentals. And just, just the, the chorus is so, so infectious, man. Um, I, I love this kind of 80s rock vibe that that Miley's really going for in this album because it kind of fits her vocal profile really well. She's got that gravelly, really kind of sexy, husky voice. And I think that, like, Joan, jo- who, Joan Jett, who appears on this album, and, like, The Heart, Fleetwood Mac, Joan Jett, that kind of, like, tough female vibe to yeah. her stuff really fits her well. And I think that that was never more prevalent than in the 80s. And this song feels like it was ripped 
straight from like 1987. Yeah. And it's got a fucking guitar solo. It's a, and it's a good <laughs> guitar solo too. It's not like some, some guy just, you know, noodling around. It's a decent guitar solo. And it's well, well produced. Like it's just, it's not your, it's not your typical pop song, but I think it's damn near perfect for a pop song. It, it, it hooks you in and it doesn't let you go. Definitely. Yeah. I, I said it was, it's a solid follow-up. Uh, it switched up the, the tone is that like bongo drums almost? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, the drums it, are bonkers on this yeah. album. Like it's so so like kick drum and bass heavy. Yeah, and that's the it has a really sick bass. Um, I guess I'll just say it now. Whoever the bassist was on this album, get that man raised. <laughs> yeah, whoever he killed yeah. it. Yeah, whoever the studio bassist was for this, or he, maybe he was like, "Hey, Miley, I really need like some." some notoriety here. Can I just like be in the forefront of all these songs? <laughs> yeah. She was like, yeah, go for it. Yeah, sure. It sounds um, dope. <laughs> the ca- the chorus is catchy as hell. And yeah. that's like a staple for me to like a song. And I love the attitude. And mm-hmm. this is the second song in a row that you really hear that, like kind of what you were saying, like the more rock and yeah. Joan Jett. California dreaming. Yeah. It's just, oh man, so good. And, um, this is a second song writing credit to Ryan Tedder of one Republic. So, that dude must have been hanging out with her in the studio. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think that's cool because like I think it's cool that she's hanging out with people like that. Who, I mean, One Republic isn't like the most prolific band in the world, but they made some good shit. You know what I mean? They and, had that one album that almost every song was on the radio. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's cool that she's kind of surrounding herself with people like Billy Idol and um, Joan Jett, and you know, she's got all these music industry friends from her father's age. Um, that are really kind of steering her in this really cool direction. And um, I talk about it later in one of my song notes, but I love when people take an era of time and put like a modern spin on it and put modern production value on it and put modern like sensibilities on song and like a, something from the eighties. Cause eighties music is good for a small amount of time. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, it you has get, like a distinct sound. Yes. And so to give that like a two, 2020 production value and 2020 instrumentalization and like just sense like musical sensibilities have changed so much from that. And it just sounds so much better. It's like paying homage to, but also massively improving upon. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love it. If it's done well, it's, it's great. And I think it's really done well in this album and on this song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anything else about plastic arts? No. Cool. Let's uh, have you move on to Angels Like You. Angels Like You. We're slowing it down with this mm-hmm. uh, breakup ballad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some really cool production to this song. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, it's lyrically one of the weaker songs. Really? Because I like the, I really love the chorus on this. Uh, <laughs> Angels Like You can't fly down here with me. I'm everything they said I wouldn't be. Yeah. Eh. Well, I like the... Uh, uh, you're, I'm going to wish you never met me on the day I leave. I really like that. I think that's a cool... Like a sentiment, like oh, like hindsight is twenty twenty. Like I, I just thought it was a little bit clever, but yeah, I, I get what you're like. That I don't love, but like the rest of it is cool. Like I brought you down to my knees because they they say that misery loves company. Like I think that's, I mean, it's yeah, again, it's kind of cheesy and corny, but again, it, the way she handles it vocally is super. Yeah. Mature. Sorry, I'll let you finish your. No, thoughts. you're you're good. Um, I feel like it, it makes sense with the momentum going forward with the rest of the song or with the rest of the album, but it feels kind of too early for a, a ballad mm-hmm. it feels like ballads are traditionally in like the later part of the album so i'd be curious to hear why they put this so early um because it kind of stops the momentum after the first two songs were real you know 
kick ass, and then we kind of get to uh, this song. And it's also the third songwriting credit to Ryan Tedder. <laughs> that dude's all over the place. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he only has one more, but yeah. Um, I like the song, but it's kind of a, a throwaway for me personally. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's not certainly not the strongest. It's just a good, solid power ballad for me. Uh, um, I, I have a theory as to why it's here because let me look at this. The next four songs are an absolute just maniacal ride. And I think that's why I think they put this power ballad right here to kind of like give you your, like the deep breath before the plunge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what Gandalf says in uh minister. I just watched return of the King yesterday. <laughs> This is the deep breath before the plunge or whatever. It's a fucking awesome line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's what this song does here. It gives you like a time to like, okay, now let's go. Like, yeah. I think high would have been a better. Oh, don't even get, let's not talk about, I love high. High is my, my favorite song. If we were going to like slow it down a little bit, I think high would have been a better choice and maybe just. I agree musically, but I think emotionally high feels better at the end of an album. It feels like, cause that is, that's got a lot of emotional weight to it. Mm. Um, I agree. It's a better, it's a much better song. And I think it's, it slows down the album appropriately. And that's the album kind of takes it like a nice little curved, like slope to the end after high. And I think that's why it's there Mm. again. I don't know. I'm not a music producer, but that's my theory is that this is, it's not super, Again, it's like the beginning of an album should set up the the closing of the album. Yeah. And I think that's why this here. It's a little bit weaker, but it's still good. Um, yeah, the ethereal quality like really kind of drives home that kind of almost pleading that this song has. It's like she's sorry. She's sorry to whoever this person is. Like, and I think it's not it's not on accident that it sounds very like airy. And she's talking about it's called Angels Like Us or Angels Like uh, You. Sorry. Um, and she wants because she wants that person to feel good and she wants that person to feel like, yeah, this is my I'm the devil here. You can't fly down here with us uh, or fly down here with me. You're, you're meant to be up here. It's kind of cheesy. But again, I, I think it's very intentional the way it was produced. And I, I, I enjoy that because, again, it's clever. It's clever production. So yeah. um, Prisoner. Are you done with Angels Like You? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll move on to Prisoner. Uh, this is the, again, I think I'm pretty sure it's the second single. I don't fucking, again, I don't fucking know how singles work anymore because who cares? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and I've talked about Dua Lipa a lot already on this podcast and how much I respect her. So immediately I'm already liking the song before I even hear it because I know what Dua Lipa's sound is and I enjoy that in the EDM world. And um, this is like, this baseline is absolutely stupid thick in this song. That's that's the only way I can describe it. It's just it's not like the most technically cool, but it just fucking s- s- takes its big old dick and it slaps you in the it's, face yeah, with it's it. Hardy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hardy. Yeah, it's hardy. Gir- it's a girthy, girthy <laughs> ass baseline. Um, it's just it's really good. It's not, again, it's not my favorite song on the album. It's kind of it's just your. It's a cool song. Um, it's really infectious. Uh, I think she, like, this is the song that when I was listening to it made me realize that she's going to take over pop and she's going to just fucking grab it by the balls for the next decade. Mm. This is the kind of album that sets that up. This is Michael Jackson's thriller 
uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. where he kind of take took over the pop landscape. I mean, Off the Wall is a great album, but the one that really threw him into the stratosphere was Thriller, and then he kind of just pop pop was Michael Jackson's from that point out. This isn't this isn't as good as Thriller. I'm not trying to say that, but the, the way that I feel like this can she can take this and run with it and just do whatever the fuck she wants with pop music. She can kind of control the way Papa moves from here on out. I think because this album is that good. And it's just so much better than any other pop that's coming out right now. So it's just, it's a, this is again, this in my headphone listen, cause I did, I told Dylan on the way before we were recording that I've only listened to this in my car, which is rare. I usually only listen to it on my headphones and I listened to it on my headphones last night when I was taking my notes and everything instrumentally just popped that much more. And this, I was like, man, this is so fucking good. Like she, she really is just gonna. She's gonna own pop. I really hope she does because I love it when somebody just fucking grabs it by the balls. Because you can do so much cool shit with pop. Um, it, it's not a dirty word in music. I don't think as long as it's handled correctly. Yeah. Think about the people that have run it, like Justin Timberlake with the 2020 experience. One of my favorite albums of all time. Um, Lady Gaga with her first couple of albums, really fucking cool. Um, you know, Michael Jackson in the late eighties, early nineties really fucking killed it. Uh, nineties, I don't know, the Spice Girls that yeah. kind of sucked, but you know, look at NSYNC, like all the boy bands and all the cool artists that came out of that. I mean, that's where Justin started Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, like some really talented people, um, come out of pop and make cool music later on in their career. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Sorry. I went off on a bit of a tangent there, yeah. but, um, what do you have to say about prisoner that I haven't already said, Dill? So, <laughs> For me, we're getting into the territory that I sort of expected from this album. Yeah. This, I mean, it's it's still a really good pop song. It's got a catchy chorus, um, but it's um, more of like a surface level pop song. Yeah. This is, yeah, this is kind of what I was expecting, and the fact that it's one of the singles kind of makes sense. So you know, no shame in the game. Mm-hmm. If this is a song that gets people attracted to the yeah. album, makes you want to listen to it more. Um, one of my favorite artists, John Bellion, is credit credited as one of the. Uh, songwriters on this song he's he's got an ear for a catchy catchy chorus and i don't think it's an accident that he's on this he's credited for one of the songwriters but yeah good song yeah it's good it's not great it's a good mesh with dua lipa they sound very similar on Mm -hmm. this track so it's hard to tell whose track is whose um but i like when they harmonize in the chorus um again it's not great but it's it's again it's still better than most all the pop that's out right now definitely and uh that's all I have for for prisoner. Cool. Sorry, um, not a whole lot. Yeah, you want to get into "Give Me What I Want"? Yeah, uh, this is another one. Of, "Give Me What I Want" is another one of the pop popier songs on the album, um, and it's about her trying to smash. Uh, yep, that's awesome. Give me what <laughs> yeah. I want before I give it to myself. <laughs> Love that shit, dude. Yeah, uh, she don't care about the future. She don't care about the past. Let's smash. Yep, uh, and I think it's a fun song. I think yeah, it's a real need, fun. Song. You need a song. You need a sex song in the middle of the yeah. album. And I. I Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thoughts because I have a That's little. That's really bit. all I have. Okay, cool. So I think this song, yes, it's a sexual song, but I think it's more sensual than sexual, and I think that's the growth in Miley because this song seduces you and makes you want to fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's not like she's not saying like, you know, come fucking come fuck me. She's saying it in a cool way and a really because like this song made me think of like a post-apocalyptic like nightclub where there's like barbed wire and rusted metal and everybody's like scantily clad and like everybody's sweating and there's fucking fire and cages that that's what this song made me think of there's a there's a couple songs this album that gave me like very like very vivid pictures of what they would look like in a movie Mm -hmm. and this is the first one that really i think it like escape from la 
like when they like where they have that kind of club there or like maybe like Thunderdome kind of stuff. Like <laughs> that's what it makes me think of. Like yeah. this song would be playing in that club while people are like having very adult interactions with each other. Like this isn't a this isn't a like early 20s sex song. This is a late 20s sex song where it's more sensual and more seductive, I think. You like know what you want. It's grimy, but yeah, yeah. it's like I want I, you better f- give it to me now before I fucking give it to myself. It's like, "Oh, okay, shit. All right, let's fucking go." Like <laughs> I don't know. It just feels more sensual than it does sexual, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, it's not like her rubbing a foam finger on her fucking clit on the video music awards. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's her saying like I'm I'm a sexual person, and if you don't, if you're not going to give it to me, I'm going to fuck myself. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's cool, man. And like the bass again, just fucking slaps slaps you across the face with its big meaty dick <laughs> in this song. It's and honestly. The instrumentals in this song, if you listen to it, it sounds very, very much like uh, closer to like from Nine Inch Nails. It's very, very industrial, and I think that's where I get the kind of rusted metal feel from it. Yeah, and you could almost layer like the lyrics from Closer over top of this, and it would fit almost seamlessly. It's which is cool because it's like industrial metal in the middle of a Miley Cyrus album, but the song that's about like sex and Closer is about like creepy sex. He's like, I wanna fuck you like an animal. Like that's the that's the the hook of the song. So, but that's again, that's not a sexual song. It's more like creepy sensuality, and it's just yeah, it's just good. So, I bet there'll be a TikTok of someone layering those or mixing those songs together. If anybody's a, a TikToker out there, and do that for me, and then you know, send it to our whatever credit to off the beaten club. <laughs> we, it was our idea. We just don't want to do any of the work. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a great song. I, like I said, I love when people experiment with pop and she took on basically a nine inch nail song and turned it into a Miley Cyrus song, which Mm -hmm. who the fuck saw that coming? Yeah. Um, is it your turn? I think it's your turn. Is it? I got the, I got the odds. You got the evens. (laughs) I'm glad I'm, you know what, Dill? This is this is why I like doing podcasts with you because you keep me in line because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Um, Nightcrawl is a night crawling. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and this song has Billy Idol on it, which is like an '80s icon. Like, and he sound his 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 verse on this song sounds so cool because it taught. It, this is what I was talking about earlier, where somebody t- drags the '80s out of the '80s and brings it into modern times. I want Billy Idol to do an album now with this kind of production value, with this kind of new 2020 sensibility, and not like people are still figuring shit out in the eighties as far as like recording techniques and stuff like that. And we've really kind of figured it out at this point. Like people are still experimenting, but I don't want to say music is what it's going to be because people are, music's been around for almost over a thousand years at this point in like some sort of like recognizable form. And people are still making new shit. That's, that's insane to me just to think about the enormity of actual music. That's a whole nother topic. Um, (laughs) But to get back to that, to take somebody from that was, you know, 30 years ago and revamp their sound, but make it sound so familiar is really, really fucking cool. Like this sounds like something that would have been on MTV in the 80s and would have had like a lot of play on MTV. Yeah, definitely. I, for me personally, when I was listening to this, this is when life was sprung back into the album. Yeah. Because the last two songs, a little poppy, you know, I'm kind of trailing off. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? How are you going to keep my attention? And then when the chorus kicks in with night crawling, sky falling, yeah. holy hell, I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm back. It's got that 80s pop rock like you were talking about. And Billy Idol, like that's just such a, I guess to me it feels random. Like Billy Idol featured on a Miley Cyrus right, album. Right, exactly. And that's why I love it because it works. 
Mm-hmm. You know? And hit, the way he sings the second verse and they both sing the second chorus together, it's just like a really good marriage of their voices. And I just, I don't know, I guess I didn't realize Billy Idol's voice was that good. Yeah, exactly. Like he's, I mean, he's probably in his 50s, 60s at this yeah, point. Easily. And he still sounds good. He just, you know, he never really did more like melodic stuff when he was old, like younger because he was, it was more about being Billy Idol with his fucking lip and shit, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was more about attitude than actual like vocal chops for him. I think back in the day, I don't know. I, I don't really know that much about Billy Idol. I know, I'm obviously aware of him and I've heard some of his shit before. Um, yeah, it's just weird that it works, but it does. Yeah. So this is the fourth songwriting credit for Ryan Tedder of One Republic. Hey, and I think we're done. <laughs> yep. That's it for Ryan Tedder. Sick. <laughs> but yeah, I really like this song. It the the chorus is like you have no choice but to like it. Mm-hmm. And I, I misspoke earlier about Plastic Hearts because the next song was the first single. I misspoke. Sorry. Oh, Midnight Sky. Yes. So yeah, you want to get into it? <sighs> yeah. Is it my turn or is it your I turn? Think it's my turn. Okay. Uh, <laughs> See, I lost already. <laughs> Midnight Sky. Uh, this is. Miley's pop version of Free Bird or Born to Run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the bass rips again. Yeah, dude. It's uh, it's really catchy. I think it adds to the theme of like the independence, the new independence or like individuality that mm-hmm. she found on the um, writing this album. And it's uh, I I thought it was a really fun song. Yeah, I was born to belong to run. I don't belong to anyone. Saw my lips on her mouth. Everybody's talking now. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's. I think this is. Exact because what happened after she broke up with Liam is she went on like this holiday with I forget who it was, but it was a girl and they were caught like making out on a boat or something like that. I think this song is a direct response to that and how she's like, you know what, fuck you, I'm gonna do what I want. Like, I don't belong to anyone, I don't belong to media, I don't belong to Liam, I don't belong to this chick. I'm gonna, I am, I am Miley Cyrus and I'm gonna do what the fuck I want. And it's, it's cool that she's kind of ex- experiencing that through a cool, like, 80s vapor wavy. Like sound, like because yeah. it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't, it's it's angry, sure, but it's like it's more like, it's more like a like emphatic fuck you, you know what I mean? It's a middle finger in the air, mm-hmm. you know, doing whatever she fuck she wants, which is cool. Um, were you were you done? Uh, second songwriter Sorry. credit for John Billion. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I was really I, having. I could fun. tell there was more to say. I was like, I, ah, Dylan's not done yet. I should stop talking. I just had so much fun finding out that some of the artists I really like were songwriters. Yeah, it, I think that's cool too. Like I said, it lends some credibility to someone like you, you know, who wasn't necessarily sold on an Miley album. It mm-hmm. lends some credibility to what she's doing. She's not just a stupid party in the USA anymore. You know, yeah. She's actually trying to have some cool, like, different views on what she's doing. So, um, this is the second song that gave me a very, like, very visceral view of what it would look like in a movie. And I want to read what I wrote because it made me laugh as I was reading it. So, uh, or as I was writing it. So, I said, we come from power pop to vaporwave. And I could just see Miley, Miley driving a black and gold T-top Firebird in an all-leather, like, cat suit and some kick-ass sunglasses at night, neon lights reflecting off of her, and just looking cool as fuck. Like, just think about it. It's like, it's like think of like what Vaporwave looks like, and think about Miley driving an all-black Firebird with that big-ass Firebird on the hood, the hood scoop, the, the silver and gold rims, T-tops off, fucking all-leather catsuit, one arm up, just cool, like, stunner shades, and, like, just neon lights flashing off of those, and she's looking sexy as fuck. That's what I think that this, that's what the song makes me think about. 
And in the back seat is a trash bag full of old pictures from past relationships just like flying yeah. out of the car. She's yeah, driving. right. We, we could direct this music video Dude, right now. Yeah, I've, we made it. <laughs> the music video is directed. Just fucking make it, Miley. <laughs> I, she already made a video for this, so we're, Ugh. you know, whatever. It redo it. It's not half as good as that. <laughs> yeah, redo it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, again, I could talk about the lyrics of the song or how it sounds, but I think that description of what I saw when I was listening to this kind of sums it up perfectly. Mm-hmm. It's just a cool-ass song, and it makes me think of a hot chick in some skinny-ass leather looking cool as shit. So. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> newfound independence is, is always cool. Yeah. Like, you, you want that for someone to, like, not feel held down to anything or, like, it is cool in your late 20s when you do realize, like, I've had all these expectations from family and all this thing, but really your life is yours mm-hmm. and you really don't have to answer to anyone if you don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I think except the IRS, I think that a lot of this album too, was her rejecting the music industry's pressure on her to be something specific. Yeah. I think she's been raging against that for a while, but I think she's finally able to handle it in a more mature, um, like adult way. Yeah. And finding a, a way to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of like, swinging back and forth on a wrecking ball you know yeah. yeah or like i don't know just the whole bangers album was just kind of it feels immature maybe someday a few years from now we can or a few months from now i don't know we can review bangers <laughs> we should tear it apart it's like a retrospective the thing is i think i'll like it because i like pop music but i think it, it'll, it'll suffer much from what jack's mannequin did last week for me where it just feels it'll feel kind of immature and i i'll, I'll, I'll crave the maturity of this album yeah so the next one is high. That's yours. Good. Number eight. Because it's my favorite song on the album. Did yeah. you num- Do you number the songs in your notes? Yeah. That's smart. I should start doing that. Maybe I'll keep, maybe I can keep That's track. <laughs> Pro tip, everybody. If you're taking notes for a music podcast, number the songs because that's how they're on the back of the, the album. I'm like really weird. I like, I'll just show you. I like bold the song names and like oh yeah yours looks like an essay mine looks like fucking an idiot taking notes <laughs> um I, I i like center align alignment for some reason i don't know it just looks cooler to me it's just two different minds working <laughs> like i'm it's like really important that everything is like in a certain place yeah. and like which i'm not normally like that but with, when i come to like writing and stuff that that's how I well yeah it. well with the when we do queen city that's total tangent everybody sorry but like we just do bullet points, and it makes sense to have it like aligned like that. But for this, where it's more like free form for me, or not even free form, it's just that's how I think. I think center aligned, where everything's kind of wobbly. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's some psychology there that we're <laughs> missing out on. But um, high is easily, it's not even close. My favorite song on this album. This is this is the country track I've been waiting for from Miley for years. Because I always knew she could do cool country because she's the daughter of Billy Ray Cyrus and she's heard her godmother is fucking Dolly Parton. You know what I mean? She mm-hmm. spends so much time with Dolly, like those old school country people. And I know she can do it. And I know she has it in her. And this is uh, this feels like it came straight out of like a Southern Baptist choir. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's there, there's such a heavy emotional weight to this where it's like she's, she doesn't miss this person, but it's she, whenever she thinks about him, she still gets high and it's like the way she sings, like she explodes into this chorus, man. Cause it's kind of like mellow and then explodes into that chorus. And it's just 
oh man, her runs in this song, her, she, like her gravelly voice really shine. This is like her vocals shining on this track. That's exactly what I wrote too. She crushes the, the vocal performance. Yeah. It, it's just, she, this, if she made a country album, she would shit all over every single country artist I right now. Yeah. And I think that's part of the charm of this song is that the twangy guitars are not in the forefront. They're in the background mm-hmm. and it's something you have to be paying attention to. Yes. And, yeah, this song doesn't feel try hard. Like this isn't the uh, stereotypical. We're gonna try a country song on the yeah. album. Uh, th- this is not try hard at all. This is this is Miley, dude. This is Miley refined. I think mm-hmm. this is this is the type of shit I think she should do, and I th- I want her to do. I, she wants to keep making pop great, but I really really want her to make a fucking just killer southern rock country album. Because it would fucking, it would kick so much ass. Like, I'm closing my eyes, guys, when I'm talking about this because I'm just, I want it so bad. I want a good, like a really great, strong female artist in country, which we, we mean we haven't really had, really. I mean, who was the last one you can even think of? Like, fucking Reba McIntyre? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Dolly Parton, who, like I said, is her godmother and like is a huge part of her life. Like, it just, man, she, this sounds so, so good. Like, uh, just listen to the song, guys. Like, yeah, it, it, and I think she's too scatterbrained for like a focused album. Like I think that. so too. I think the the sounds on every album are going to be vastly different on yeah. every song, a lot like this one. But it would in a perfect world if Ugh. we were able, if she were taking requests, just sit down and write a like a country album for us, Miley. If by a chance you're listening to mine and Dilly's sultry voices, please, for the love of God, in the next ten years, just make a kick-ass country album, make a session album. Just lock yourself in a cabin in the woods, get fucking drunk and high, and just make some killer fucking country music. Make some make some mountain music, and I would be the happiest boy alive. <laughs> um, I was staring Dylan intently in the eye the entire time. We're I was not saying, asking for a lot. <laughs> yeah, we're not asking for a lot. Just do exactly what we say. Um, make our music video, make our country album, <laughs> and we'll be happy. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I really think every, if anybody listens to one song on this album, I really think this is, because this is the most mature sounding. Um, it may not be the most mature lyrically, because it is really just about like longing and not understanding why you still miss somebody, even though you really don't, like you're happy they're gone, and you're happy you're not together anymore, but they still make you feel that high. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, she, she kills the runs in this song. Like, ugh. Like I, I normally I can sing along at least like somewhat, but when she does does the second run in her in her chorus, ugh, man, good for you, Miley. Yeah, um, you make you made you made my balls twitch on this song <laughs> just from how good it is musically. So I said this is the Miley I didn't know existed, but I can't get enough. Of. Yeah, dude. Um, Preach, brother. That's that was that made getting to song eight well worth listening to the full album. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, so when I said I wanted it to be song number three, I also contradict myself later on. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just in a perfect world, you wanted a little bit. It's just song. a better song. Yeah. yeah. So number nine, hate me. Did you have anything more? No, I, I think I said more than enough. <laughs> I basically, I, in, I basically so. sat here and just verbally jerked off for, <laughs> you know, five minutes about this song. Uh, I love it. I, love, I fucking love that song. Uh, number nine is hate me. Mm-hmm. It's, o- it's odd. So it's yours, right? Yeah. We're on it. Let's go. <laughs> Whomst is the bassist on this album? 
Whomst. Whomst uh, among you <laughs> slappeth the bass. Because I got to shake this man's hand. Uh, <laughs> this is a good blend of pop and rock that mm-hmm. the album has been going back and forth in between. And I feel like this is a good marriage of the two. Uh, the the age old question that I the song is a little immature. Uh, would my ex cry if I die? Is kind of the question it's asking. Um, and go, like, go on. I want my friends to get hammered, and like, I want people to celebrate my death. But would my ex cry? Like, who who's going to be sad when I die? Yeah. Because uh, you know they they know it's over, but deep down they kind of just want to know that they still care. I guess it's kind of the overall theme of the song. But mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I don't think it's about an ex. I think it's about the old white men in the music industry. And I think it's about the mu- the music media as well. Um, or it's like, yeah, I, I, I like the line, if I die, I hope my friends get drunk and high because that's what I want to happen at my own funeral. Like I relate to that on a very personal level. Like yeah. I don't want my death to be sad. I want it to be a fucking blast. Um, but then the next couple lines talk about um, – if I die, would that be sad enough for you not to hate me? And I think that it's, I think it's a fuck you to the music industry and I think it's a fuck you to music media. And I think that makes it less immature um, when you look at it that way. Cause she talks about like the old men playing cards, but they're not playing gin. Um, I think that's, I a think dr- that's golden G string. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, either way, they're both kind of fuck used in the music industry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really think that's what it's about. I think it's more about the media that she gets and she's finally, finally she's like not trying to prove them wrong anymore. She's mm-hmm. just kind of like, you know, if I fucking died, I hope you, I hope that's sad enough to make you like me. I hope you wouldn't hate me anymore after, you know, cause I think that's kind of what happens to with celebrities. I think it's kind of a, so, a social commentary on that too. It's like, Oh, this guy died. We all of a sudden love him now. Like it's kind of disingenuous. And I think she's kind of pointing that out. Uh, again, that's my interpretation of the song. It could be about it very well. Might be about an ex too. Like, yeah. you know, would yeah. you, would you cry if I died? You know, yeah, you fucking dickhead. You were you were looking for the deeper meaning. I just thought it was. I just thought it was a surface. Well, I, I think I, so, I think I got there because I see this whole album as kind of like a fuck you to the music industry, mm-hmm. you know, as a whole. Um, it's kind of Miley striking out on her own and saying, "I'm going to do what the fuck I want." Fuck you guys. I think she's been doing that for a while now, but now, again, she's now more mature enough to kind of do it in a more relatable way to you know, mature music listening audiences and not tween, tween girls who yeah. want to, you know, wear midriff shirts and, you know, kiss boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So bad karma is next with, and this has the, uh, the immortal Joan Jett. I love Joan Jett. I don't love this song. This song falls very flat for me. And I'll tell you why. It's because of the moans. The ever-constant moaning makes this so embarrassing to listen to. And that's that was my test for this album. Can I listen to this album in front of other people and not be embarrassed about it? And I can, up until this song. I'm like, oh, this is so awkward. And it, it's, Joan Jett did this too in her stuff. So I think it was an homage to that. Like this song on the, on the surface of it is pretty kick-ass. Like it's kind of, it's very tough. It's like that, I can see her and Joan Jett on stage just like, with those fishnet gloves that connect at the middle finger, kind of like pumping their fists and doing that like stank face thing that was popular in the eighties, like the Billy Idol face. Um, Miley even mentions at the end, she's like, you got a nasty drummer face, like just kind of like a spoken word part. Um, but yeah, this song sucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yo, fuck this song. Uh, the weird moaning is unforgivable. It's unforgivable. Unforgivable. This, you couldn't have said it better. The song sucks. Joan Jett couldn't save it. Yeah. Um, 
The only cool part was the build up with the drums before the last chorus. Um, so I did. I did listen to it a few times. I just. I I can't wait to never hear the song again. Yeah, it sucks. It's just the, the pacing of it's terrible, um, and it's really just driven by those moans. Because out, outside of that, it would be a passable. I don't even know what I would think of the song if I didn't hear the moans. Because <laughs> yeah. that is like the only thing I hear. And I get I I understand why they did it. It's a it's an homage to Joan Jett and the way she used to do shit. And she I, I forget what song it is, but there, she has something very similar in one of her old songs, and it just doesn't need to be through the entire fucking song yeah if it if it was at the very beginning of the song and then it, you didn't hear it and maybe you play it like at the very end of the song or something yeah or like a post chorus or something like that before you get to the next verse that that would be fine but the entire song uh, i don't want to like i don't want somebody who's like in the car next to me thinks somebody's having just terrible sex behind me in the back seat because that's what it sounds like uh, 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 oh, he's uh, a uh, that's what it uh, fucking reminds uh, me yeah. of that's I mean it's like it's like it's like in a song where people have like squeaky bed springs in the entire song but they're too loud. Mm-hmm. It's like they're cool as like an accent. It's like there's a couple of songs I can think of that do it well, but there's also a lot of songs that do it really poorly. And that's this falls into really poor territory. Definitely. So, yeah, hate to hate to dwell on the negatives, yeah, but that that was just a bad song. Not I'm glad every we agree on it. Yeah, every album can't be perfect. Mm-hmm. And this album isn't perfect by any means, but it is really good and this is just a big old turd right in the middle of it. So <laughs> But it's hidden at track 10, so... That's true, that's true. I mean, track 10 should kind of not be great. I think your last couple songs should kind of... But it's just such a letdown after fucking High. Mm-hmm. And Hate Me, which is decent. Um, but I, I will say, like, in the last parts of these albums, this album is pretty forgettable, so... Definitely. Uh, number 11, Never Be Me. Mm-hmm. It's a slow, ballady song, uh, strategically placed in the second to last song on the album. Mm-hmm. That's like a very traditional thing to do. And it feels like an 80s ballad uh, with the lyrics saying, hey, I'm here for a good time and a long time. I'm not the, the gal that you're going to settle settle down with, but mm-hmm. right now I'm yours and you can take it for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. I guess that's thematically that's, how that's, I feel about it. That's the gist of it. Um, again, it's a theme that's already been explored a couple times in this album, so... I don't know. This is a very forgettable track for me. It's not bad. It's not great. It's, it's a better ballad than song three, which was Angels Like You, I think. Yeah, sure. I, I think if you would have flipped those places, they would have done a lot better. I think mm-hmm. Angels Like You would have fit much better here. Oh, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think if you flip those two, because I think Angels Like You is a better song. But it just kind of it, it does it. I think they would fit better flip flopped. Like I, I don't know. I think I would be more open to angels like you if I just like hit shuffle, or even if it was later yes, on the album. Sure. Yeah, I totally get that because that's how I've kind of listened to the album from here. I've kind of picked and choose different places of the album to start mm-hmm. and listen to it through from there, and I've I've gotten different feelings from it. But I've always never remembered this song. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. got to it last night. I was like, oh shit, I forgot about this song because everything else is you know really really solid and really kind of like in your face up until this point and this is just kind of falls back it's very soft and calm um it, it, i will say like the chorus every time it kicks in for the first time it sounds like a weekend track which isn't a bad thing um again i feel very much the same about the weekend though where he's very average you know what i mean he's got a, a, on every album he's got those standout tracks that are the singles but the rest of the tracks on the album are very forgettable for me. And that's yeah. that's how I feel about The weekend. So it's, it's fitting that this song reminds me of The weekend because to me it's very forgettable. It's not bad. I like The weekend. I like this track, but I'm not going to listen to it. I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it ever again. So, Yeah, yeah when, when we uh, redo this 10 years from now, yeah. 
it'll be like, oh yeah, I forgot this song exists. Yeah, well, I, if we talk about this later tonight, I'm like, oh yeah, I fucking forgot about that song. So, <laughs> uh, last one, Golden G String. This is me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was more of me just like <laughs> making sure we were on Golden G String. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we definitely have it all together here tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just worked. I uh, just worked a full shift, open to close, and I came straight here. And I got a headache. All I've had to eat today is a Cliff Bar and some brownie and a Red Bull. So my mental capacity isn't <laughs> where it should be. I'm working on pure fucking sugar at this point. So anyway, uh, Golden G String, uh, a fine track. It's a retrospective on. Um, I think Miley's career in the music industry. Uh, what I, the point I tried to make on two tracks ago, where it's the old men playing cards and they're not playing gin, they're playing games with people's lives. I think is what she's trying to say. It's like we've seen a lot of this recently in artists too, where they're just saying like they're starting to realize that the music industry is fucking terrible. Like I love streaming and SoundCloud for that reason, is people can get big without fucking their entire careers over. I mean, you can see it with, uh, I don't know if everybody's familiar with Dave Chappelle or likes Dave Chappelle, but he released that like 12 minute part of one of his stand up sets where he talks about how comedy central fucked him up so bad with that contract that he wants you to boycott his show. Like he doesn't, Dave Chappelle actively doesn't want you to watch his show because he's not getting paid for any of these streaming services that it's on because comedy central owns the right to that name and that show in perpetuity for throughout the entire the entirety of the universe. And it's so fucked up the way people can just steal your identity and own everything that you do. And I think it's cool to see people like Dave Chappelle that's, you know, universally just loved by everybody in the, the comic community. People like Miley, who may maybe not universally loved, but is respected at this point in her career because she's been doing it for fucking almost 20 years now she's only she's not even 30 yet mm. you know what i mean so she she has clout and so to see people like this speaking out against these old institutions these old crusty white men running these shitty like contracts and owning your name in perpetuity throughout the rest of the entirety of the universe like nobody knows what the fuck that means so i'm glad to see people speaking out on it. and this track isn't that deep i'm not trying to give you false hope yeah because it's just it's kind of a blah track for me um I like the fact that she opens with, I've been wearing the golden G string. It's like, I think that's a clever line where she's, she's been exploited for her sexuality. And that's like, it's like the golden egg, the goose who laid in the golden egg. Miley wore the golden G string for her career. And I think that's clever. Um, and it made me smile when I thought about it. Um, because again, I like clever writing, mm. but again, this track, it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, get my, you know, get my knickers in a twist. Yeah. And, I do think it's cool calling out hot or I don't know if it's Hollywood, but the music industry, just, um, you know, people in power that fuck with fuck with your, your bread and butter. Yeah. And they, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. They like, don't care because they're making money. And I really like how she ends the song kind of talking about, she should leave all this shit behind, but she's going to stay. Yeah. Like I could leave, but that would be giving them all the power again. Exactly. And it's like, I'm going to stay and I'm going to do it my way. And I do like this song because of the, unapologetically being herself and the individuality that's kind of ran the whole theme. So I do think it's a good album closer. Uh, but like you said, it's like not a, like a momentous song, but it is, I think a, a good and important. Song. Yeah. I think the, I think it's not the end of the album on purpose. Cause I, th- like I said, I think this whole album is kind of Miley growing up mm-hmm. and realizing that, you know, she doesn't have to rely on these these big industry moguls anymore. She's got enough clout now where she can do this shit. And that, 
yeah, she's going to get flack for it. She's got to flack her entire career for shit like this. But I think she's to a point now where she it doesn't bother her as much. And she can kind of talk about it in a healthy way instead of lashing out. Like, I feel like that's what, like, ban- the bangers era was, was Miley lashing out. I could be wrong. I'm not a fucking psychologist. But this feels like a more mature adult way of handling this stuff. And it's like, I think the greatest thing you can learn as a healthy adult is to learn to not give a fuck. You know what I mean? The, you can't control what other people think about you. They're going to think it no matter what you do or what you say. There's always going to be haters out there. And like this is this is so old and trite and it's easier said than done. But it's such a beautiful thing to learn as an adult. I, I've come to it very recently in my life where I just stopped giving a fuck about what people think about me. Even like my friends, man. Like if I don't want to fucking go out, I'm not going to go out. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you if you are my friend, you'll understand that. It's like. Yeah. And I, I think that's something you learn in age. Yes. And it's it's got to be hard to grow up in Hollywood. I'm oh, yeah. Miley's had a tough life. But I'd also wouldn't know what it was like to go through adolescence. I don't, and I don't then, yeah, it's so it's, I don't envy her, her struggles at all. I think, yeah, she's, she hasn't had to struggle for money, but she's had her own like growing up in that life and having to go through your formative years like that. Like it's, it's must be terrible. And going through breakups publicly. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a lot of shit that I wouldn't want to deal with growing up like that because it's already hard enough to grow up. Yeah in the world we live in. So yeah, I, I think it's true what you said. Like your friends should be accepting of everything about you if they really are your friends. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be there if you know, if you, like I said, they'll be there if they're true and if they're not, fuck them. They don't, you, there's billions of people in the world. You can make friends, you can make new friends. You know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of been my mindset for the last, I don't know, five years or so. It took me a while to get there. And you know, she's kind of at, you know, she's 28 now. That's about the time I started realizing it too. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know if she's, I mean, you said she was, I think yeah. that's true. That sounds right. Um, and I think that's a beautiful time. And I think that makes her want it. I wanted to turn 30 after I realized that. Cause like I'm not fucking 20 anymore. You know what I mean? There's, it's, there's so much different pressure when you say you're in your twenties versus saying like, Oh yeah, I'm 30. That, cause then your age finally catches up to your mental state. I think when you turn 30 and so turning 30 was cool for me because I was ready to turn 30 because I kind of had that kind of, you know, fuck you mindset. Yeah. So I, I hope, I hope she's at that place and I hope she continues to make dope shit. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into closing thoughts? Yes. Okay. Um, what the, f- you want me to go first? My notes don't make any sense. So yeah, let me try to make sense of it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Never in my 28 years did I think I'd be listening to a Miley Cyrus album front to back, but here we are. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> especially the story I told uh, at the end of the last episode. It, mm-hmm. it was just never going to happen for me unless we did something <laughs> like this. I'm surprised at how much I truly enjoy uh, most of this album. There's a lot of experimental things. Uh, so many sounds. You know, there's two ballads, a couple punk rock songs, and I'm... I said Americana, but I guess it could be considered country. Yeah, I think it, they're kind of in the same vein. Like if you say Americana, that has that kind of like Southern Baptist, like country gospel feel to it. So mm. I, yeah, I think that that also applies. And of course, you got the the pop radio hits, but this album is uh, much deeper than the singles, and I think it really it's it's a payoff to listen to the full thing because mm-hmm. you will. F- it's it's got so many things that I think everyone is going to like at least one song on the album. And I think that's, that's cool to have that kind of universal um, sound that people can get into. Cause for me, it was like the first song, um, yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm definitely adding some of the songs 
some of the songs to my playlist and some of these I'll never hear again. Yeah, but right. I think that's a much bigger improvement on my view on Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I think that's huge for somebody that said they would never listen to Miley Cyrus ever to actually have like a, an album that one you didn't hate two that you have songs that you're going to add to a playlist. Like that's huge. Like mm-hmm. I think that speaks to her maturity and her growth. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm glad you threw this curveball at me because I nor maybe five years ago, I wouldn't have been as open-minded, mm-hmm. but you know, we're doing this podcast and <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to have to listen to it all week, I might as well give it a fair shot. Yeah. Um, I've already, I've already kind of given a lot of my closing thoughts on this last song. Um, I, I, to your point, um, I love an album that, rewards its listeners with the deep cuts you know what i mean like high is never going to be a single but it's the best song on the album you know what i mean Mm -hmm. there's so many people that are only going to listen to the singles from this album and never get the the truly good nuggets it's like that's why i love that led zeppelin never released singles they want you to listen to not only their albums front to back because it makes more sense thematically but you get rewarded with those nuggets you know what i mean they're like just the true essence of the album so i love albums that make you listen to for the deep cuts and that the you you have to make it maybe thirty minutes thirty five minutes into the album before you get to high yeah. and it is one of the stronger songs yeah so I, I I love we talked about bonus tracks a couple of weeks ago and that's kind of the same concept where you have to listen to the pop that you've heard and you have to make the time commitment to kind of listen to this album front to back otherwise you're going to skip through and just get to the songs that you want to listen to and you're not going to get the true meat and the true goodness the 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 gooey center. <laughs> if you will, of this album. And I, I really love that. I think, like I said, this is a, just a mature album. It's a pop album. Sure. Uh, and it's not going to be for everybody, but I, I, I do think that there is a song you're right. that sonically there's a sound that somebody's going to like on this album, no matter what kind of background you come from. I like all of it because this is kind of like, I don't want to, I don't believe in pop, pop guilty pleasures, but I am, I'm a metal head at heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So listening to pop is weird for me. But I love it because it is so simple and it's catchy. Like if, if, again, you can't deny a bop. We've said that multiple multiple times, and this this album bops, man. It really does. Uh, and like I said, I've already kind of professed my undying love for Miley. I think she's cool as shit. I think she's sexy as hell. I think her voice is sexy as hell. I think she could do dope shit forever, and uh, I hope she does. So, yeah. Keep keep going, Miley. You got you got one straight white male in Middle America that loves you. That's right. You got two. New, you got one and a half new fans. <laughs> Kevin was already there, but this album really pushed him over the edge. Yeah, it really did. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, you want to talk about what we're going to do next week? Yeah, let's let's discuss a little bit because we talked about it a little bit. Um, you have an album ready, but I think we, you know we both work jobs where we work with the public. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue yours is much more stressful than mine, but mine has its own stresses. And I think I'm just to a point where I kind of want to take a break and I think we should do that. I think let's, if you're okay with it, I want to save your album for next year. We'll make it the new year's extravaganza, the welcome grand welcome back of off the beaten clef. And then at some point before the end of the year, we'll do a um, top five. Yeah. We're going to pick top five songs. Of 2020? Of 2020. Your, your corn 20. Corn 20. Your the top, <laughs> top five of corn 20. Our COVID top 19. So <laughs> the idea is kind of, you know, we talk about albums as a whole. It'd mm-hmm. be fun to talk about sometimes just individual singles are, are have been 
occupying our minds. Yeah. So I think it would be fun for us to show each other five songs uh, from the year, and we can discuss, um, kind of just go. Do you want to do it that way, or do you want to surprise each other with our lists? I kind of want to show you before that way. um, That way we can discuss. Yeah. You've heard the songs, and it's it's not not like, hey, I like this song. Oh, I've never heard that. Okay. Well, (laughs) what's your next song? (laughs) Yeah. And also, we want some uh, interaction. Yeah. I've been reaching out to some of my friends. Kind of just, we're going to compile a playlist for the end of the year. Uh, five of my songs, five of Kevin's songs. And if you guys want to give us some suggestions, we'll read them on the show. Um, and we'll definitely give them a listen before we... Yeah, DM us on social media. That way we can post them to like an instant Instagram story. Um, I'll reach out to Ben, who's been on the podcast. Um, some people that I know that love music. And I think that's a cool idea. Yeah. Let's do that. So, yeah, we're, we're going to build a playlist uh, out of it. And we are very curious. We want to hear new music. That's the whole point of this podcast. But uh, it's kind of our way of saying or kind of our way of ending the year mm-hmm. and then we'll start fresh uh just taking kind of a, a holiday break yeah sorry guys i'm you know i'm a mental mental you know mentally not strong <laughs> no no it's it's just a stressful time i just yeah i'm just stressed way. man like uh, i just i feel like i can't have a constant headache and uh I, you know i like I, I told dylan it's not that i'm not having fun with the podcast i don't want my my ability to do the podcast and give it the respect that it deserves to diminish. So I just want to make sure I'm in a good headspace and I'm, I'm willing to kind of give things a try. Cause right now I'm kind of like, Ugh. yeah, I don't want to listen to new stuff. I kind of want to listen to the stuff that I want to listen to at this point. Yeah. And we're listening to a lot of our own music at work now too. And so I'm like, I almost kind of just don't want to listen to music for a little bit. <laughs> so um, as much as I love it, there's times where I just like, ah, I need to just not listen to music for a little bit. Yeah. And this, this is the whole point of this is to have fun. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're not getting paid to do it. So if it is an added stress, then we can take a break. But we could get paid to do it. If you like share comment, share it with your friends. I would love to do this for my job. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't hit those mental stress points as quickly (laughs) if, if this was all I was doing. So, Again, we're not doing it for that. We just, we genuinely like hanging out with each other and we like talking about music together. And, uh, but yeah, I would love it if you guys shared it. I love getting feedback from people that I know. Um, I would love to get feedback from people that I don't know. I think that's super cool. Like some yeah. of your, your personal friends, Dylan, that I've never met have reached out to like to me on like, DMS and stuff for weird stuff. But it's, it's cool hearing from people that I don't know because of something that I've done creatively. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, be looking out for that on the horizon. Follow us on uh, Instagram, Off the Beaten Clef, on Twitter, Off Clef. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have song suggestions and you don't have social media because you're badass and you're not like everyone else <laughs> in the world, so fucking cool. <laughs> send us an email, Off the Beaten Clef at gmail.com. Yes, please. So, uh, thanks, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.